Hello and welcome to Can I Ask You a Personal Question with Will and Dan. We're back for Series 3. In our latest episode, the lads speak to Anthony Matchett, founder of Melody VR a business that allows people to attend gigs and music events in virtual reality. Last year, Melody VR bought streaming service Napster, remember that? And renamed itself Napster Group, and Anthony remains chief executive of the business. If you're enjoying this podcast, please let us know by leaving a review and a five-star rating. Here's the podcast. Enjoy! I don't have my headphones here. I left them in the office, so... I hope Luke isn't going to flip out. Should we kick things off? Yeah, you're recording? Great. Let's do it. Here we go. I grew up in the UK. I grew up near, uh, actually, Milton Keynes, of all places. Um, ah, yes, from near Oh, wonderful. I was in a sleepy village near Milton Keynes. The original What's Milton Keynes village, rather than the new city of Milton Keynes. Oh, no, no, no. I was actually uh, a bit further out than that. I grew up in a village called Toddington. If you've ever been down the M1, there's a glorious service station there. Um, mm. That's only claim to fame. <laughs> Very nice. I uh, grew up in Leighton Buzzard, so just... Oh, great, yeah. Mm. And um, did you did you go to school there? I did, around I there? did. Yeah. Went to yeah. the local upper school, um, yeah. for what it was worth. Mm-hmm. Did you go to university? I did not go to university. Although I did study um, audio engineering at quite a specialist college um, in Islington, actually, um, it's now yeah. uh, it's no longer in business, but um, that was my uh, that was my path. Yeah, were you an were you an academic person when you were younger? Uh, yes and no. I must admit, I didn't find the school system particularly. Um, oh, I was going to say challenging, but what a terrible thing to say! I, I didn't find it um, particularly. Uh, well suited to my personal interests, you know, I very much enjoyed, you know, science, English and maths, but I found that the, you know, kind of syllabus was a little bit, a little bit dry for my taste. So um, mm. I kind of, uh, you know, read, uh, read on my own as opposed to uh, mm. learn everything from school. But um, yeah, that's yeah. Kind of the way the route went. The route for, for, for someone like you and, and like us is generally, um, you know, you're clever enough, you go to university and then you sort things out afterwards. But why did you make the decision not to go yeah, down that path exactly? Good question. I mean, it, it kind of came back to a couple of things for me. The first one being that, you know, I think university has a hugely important place in education. Um, but as I was quite focused on working within music, and also music technology, at the time, there weren't any really fantastic um, universities offering kind of courses there. And because I'm not a musician, um, as much as I probably like to be, I'm not a musician. <laughs> so, um, you know, I didn't, couldn't go and study music. So um, the choice was quite limited. Um, naturally, if I wanted to be a, a doctor or a writer or whatever else, I think university would have been perfectly suited. But for my chosen kind of path, um, it didn't feel like the right way to go. Um, and you know, kind of on the other side of that, I didn't want to go and incur a load of debt and necessarily study something that I wasn't as interested in. Um, mm. It felt a bit, you know, felt a bit futile almost. Yeah. And did you? How much did you want to be a musician? Did you? Did you play any not, instruments when you were younger? Not, did you not, sing? Were you not band? that much. <laughs> no. <laughs> not that much. Not enough, I should say. Um, yeah, yeah, I played the piano as a kid, but not um, not anything more than uh, for a bit of fun. Um, uh-huh. And you know. Uh, for me, the interesting stuff was how music was put together, you know, the different mm. parts within it, as opposed to actually being the person on stage making it. So that's kind of why I found that path. 
Mm, interesting. Um, and so, how old were you when you um, when you went? Was it Cardiff? No, sorry, Islington. Islington. Uh, yeah, Islington. yeah. And uh, how, was, uh, how old were you? And what, how long does that um, did that course take? I was sixteen. Um, okay, so yeah, you left school at sixteen. Yeah, so um, it was quite intensive. Um, so it was around, around 18 months. And, you know, it was, uh, it was a college called Alchemia who um, kind of specialised in basically breeding recording engineers. Um, so that was why, um, because they had the best equipment and the best tutors and the best teachers. And that that was why I chose them. But uh, my direct route out of, uh, out of uh, school was um, pretty much the same as everyone who wanted to work in as an engineer was I made a lot of tea for about a year, um, which teaches you the way the world works actually. So um, it was an interesting experience. So how old were you when you started Melody VR? My maths isn't quite good enough to oh, work out. I've made about 25? No, it will be younger than that. It will probably be about, I think 20, 24, 25. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so, around that time. Yeah, my maths has been indicated, brilliant. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's quite, quite a, a, a young age, I suppose. Um, what what gave you the the confidence to to start out on your own at that stage? Uh, and do you have co-founders? What was the what was it like I at do, the beginning? I, I do have a co-founder called Stephen Hancock. Um, in terms of why we started the business, why I started the business, um, I was, as I mentioned, working in computer games, and as you can appreciate, virtual reality technology very much came out of computer games. You know, people built it to be inside, you know, a Call of Duty, right, and have this wonderful immersive experience. But I saw a really early stage um, version of some of this tech as a company called Oculus was set into Facebook. Um, and I met the guys in San Francisco, and I thought, this is, this is super interesting, it's really cool. Um, and they said, you know, a couple of months later, they'd come back, look at, look at what we've done now, that we're kind of part of Facebook. And it was really, really impressive. And, you know, instead of, being focused on games, I was more interested in, you know, could you put me on stage with a band? And that is where the idea of Melody came from. Mm. Yeah, so um, what, what was the, how did the responsibilities between you and Stephen um, differ? What, what were you, what was your side of things? What was his side of things, I suppose? Um, we're both, we're both kind of men of many hats, to say the mysteries. Um, the way this started was at the time Stephen was running a company called Ibiza Rocks, um, which you might have heard of. It's like a you know, big kind of European youth brand. Um, and their basic remit was they would get amazing artists to come and play, you know, a small venue in Ibiza. But, you know, you'd have Ed Sheeran and Andy Golden or whoever else, you know, and it was a really wonderful experience. And Stephen was there, you know, um, I think as operations director. Um, and naturally, you know, with the idea of wanting to create virtuality content and my kind of good old stall friend Stephen, I said, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful if we all did this like Beta Rocks? Um, and after a few months of convincing, he thought, yeah, you know, maybe that would be wonderful. And, and that's really how we both um, both started that journey. Yeah, so did you say, sorry, you were an old school friend of yours? Yeah, we're just sort of different times, actually. He's a little bit older than me, mm. not that I'll ever forget it, um, but we have <laughs> a, a very similar very similar group of friends, uh, which is how we, we've known each other for probably, you know, 15 yeah. years, something longer than that. Yeah, and when you started Melody VR, was um, did you kind of always have the idea that this is what it's going to turn into, and that is what it turned into, or did, did the idea for it kind of um, change over the years? Um, if you told us that we were going to buy Napster, um, you know, mm. eight years ago, I probably would have said that's never going to happen. So, um, you know, we certainly wanted to build a platform to get artists closer to fans and fans closer to artists and you know we definitely achieved that but um i would say that we're probably now you know a few uh 
a few kind of steps further than we were uh, or than we would have anticipated. So the way the business started was complex uh, and I'll walk you through it. So, you know, it's one thing to have this wonderful idea of wanting to, you know, put, put a fan on stage with the Rolling Stones, but there's so many challenges with doing that. You know, the first challenge is you need to have really specialist technology to be able to create you know, real-world, lifelike VR content that doesn't look terrible and is actually, you know, it's sighted for someone to see. So the first part was that we didn't have any recording equipment. We didn't have anything to make the VR content itself. So we engineered and built that, um, built a suite of cameras and part of post-production technology. And then, you know, the second part of that was that we had to convince our partners, the record labels, and obviously artists themselves that this was a good idea. And if you can kind of, you know, remember, no, I'm not sure how familiar you are, but if you think about VR technology in 2014, 2015, it was, you know, a huge desktop computer and a load of wires and, you know, it was clunky and cumbersome and it was pretty terrible, to be honest. Um, and we were going around to our partners saying, you know, this is the future. And, you know, <laughs> the vast majority went, I don't think it is. And a few people, as the technology developed over the years, went, actually, you know what, I can really see this. So um, it was a period of development, a period of, you know, kind of education for the industry, um, which then led us through to launching the platform, which obviously we had to build um, on Oculus, um, I think in uh, late 2017 or early 2018. Yeah. So, um, okay, so the, that was when you went live with it, as it were. That's right. Yeah, um, what was your what was your first? Um, would you do you call it a gig? What was would that is that what you call it? Oh, good question. Um, do you know what? I can't remember. Um, I think it would have been a number of EDM DJs. Um, the first gig, um, yeah, I think it was something in Las Vegas, EDM electronic focused. Initially, when we first launched, the um, you had to have a, you know, had to have a VR device. Um, that's changed somewhat. You know, one of the challenges in anything virtuality is that unfortunately, you know, as you said, you don't have a device. Not everyone does, and that's a real challenge. So we actually launched a iPhone and Android version of our platform, which is slightly different in that it's not completely immersive, but you can still control the content. You can jump around to different places, be different places in the venue. Um, so when we launched on phones, people actually get it a, a, a lot easier, and that that became a real kind of uh, tipping point for us. But in the first instance, yes, you know, you needed a VR device, you needed you know, a copy of the media VR platform, which was free to fans. Um, and within that, there was content you could pay for, and there was content that you could um, consume for free. Um, but as I said, you know, we quickly transitioned on the phones, and, and that's when things really started to kind of uh, move more quickly for us. Is it public knowledge how many users you have now? Yeah, so across the Melody and the Napster platform, we've got about 1.4 million users. Did did COVID help you um, in that people weren't able to to go to things? Was that I imagine that was a bit of a boost to your uh, to your usership? Yeah, we did see. You know, we saw a bit uptick in users throughout throughout the pandemic, and you know, I think that's. That's really driven by the fact that no one, as you said, can get to, get to live music events. You know, people are at home, they're bored, they're looking for new forms of entertainment. And obviously being a virtual event company, um, we do really sit in that sweet spot. So we saw kind of 20% month on month growth um, from kind of last, you know, last kind of March, um, April onwards. And, you know, that, that led to a lot more users discovering the platform, which, you know, not that we're pleased that COVID happened, but, you know, for a business like ours, we did see some growth and, you know, it was good that we could give content and give people great experiences once they were stuck at home.
And Napster these days is a streaming platform, you know, so we deliver 100 million tracks of audio into 33 countries, um, much in the same vein as a, a Spotify or an Apple Music. Um, but yeah. what we are doing is this year, we are combining Napster with all of Melody's great technology and content to build um and just the way to think of it is a kind of a hybrid music platform, which isn't just listening, it's watching, it's experiencing, it's VR, it's live, it's kind of every facet of an artist's uh, repertoire. What does the future of the, the music industry look like, do you think, after, as, as we kind of hopefully come out of COVID-19? And what's your, what's your role in that, do you think? Um, how do things look? I mean, we're in a place where we believe that music isn't just audio you know yes people record albums and yes you know people like to listen to music i mean who doesn't um but we are in a place where there's so much more in terms of you know getting close to that artist whether it's visual whether it's live um and so how we think the industry looks we are looking forward to people getting back into big venues um you know that started to happen and we're pleased by that um, I think there are a lot of people who are still a little bit on the fence about getting into a room with 5,000 other people. And I can, you know, I can believe that and I can <laughs> agree with that. Um, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting time. And our hope is that once stuff gets, you know, a little bit more back to uh, normal, we should say, that we'll see, you know, an uptick in live events. We'll see festivals back on um, without people being worried about their attendance. So for us, you know, we fit into many different facets. You know, we obviously touch recorded music. We touch, you know, live events and streaming of live events. We touch original content. You know, we're working with artists to build what we think are really interesting cool formats. So, you know, it's for us about being part of the ecosystem and doing the best work we can within it, really. You're fully focused on music at the moment. Is that um, is that going to be it, or do, do you think that at some point um, you, that your company can kind of um, expand out into different areas, or is that not a focus currently, or or likely to be in the future? We are completely focused on music. You know, music is such a large and wide uh, industry that we're you know we've really doubled down obviously the acquisition of napster we've really doubled down on on music you know we think that there is a lot to be done we think there's a lot that we can do and we think that fans deserve a much better experience so that's where we're focused today um and we probably will be foreseeable you know never rule it out that we might think about something else but as of now we're uh, you know we're kind of laser focused on music Our quick fire round uh, is next. Um, so we've just got um, six questions. Uh, we say okay. quick fire, but if you want to talk for a bit longer on things, it often yeah, turns out sure. to be the case, yeah. So, Dan. Uh, yeah, the first one I had, um, Anthony, is uh, who's your favorite musician? Oh, I never answered that, Dan. Um, although I am a bit of a Stones fan. So, um, <laughs> you know, for me, I listen to all sorts of different music. Um, but, you know, if I think about an album I like the most, it probably got a Rolling Stones title associated with it. Any any prospect of, of them work, of working with them? Or has that, or have you already? Um, we haven't worked with the Stones of yet, actually, no. Um, we tend not to comment on things we have in the pipeline, but um, mm. as of yet, we haven't. No. What's your best? anecdote if you're at a dinner party what anecdote would you tell i imagine there oh, might be something quite fun because you're in the music industry work related i presume um well let's do work related and then if you have a then you if you oh, have a no, different no, anecdote no. as well then that'd be great <laughs> work related um 
you know, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we're in this kind of, in this world where the things I say at a dinner party might not say on a podcast. So um, <laughs> let me give you, um, I say this all the time, I'm sure anyone who's heard me say it will be incredibly bored, but there was this great, well, I say it's great, it was terrible, but um, there was, um, when myself and Stephen first built our uh, first kind of suite of technology, we ended up, um, we were doing a show, and so we built it, I used to live at St Albans and in the UK, and you know, we, we built all this tech in my place in my kitchen. Um, and we did it all to Vegas, and we were super excited about doing the show in Vegas, but hadn't really kind of thought about the fact it was incredibly hot in Vegas, it's 40 degrees. Um, and all this tech that we had so lovingly built over the kind of previous three months, basically just, you know, fell apart and melted and stopped working. And it was, <laughs> it was a real life lesson in thinking about, um, you know, thinking about where, um, where your technology is going to be used, um, because, you know, the 15 degrees in St. Albans did not uh, match up to the 40 degrees in Vegas. <laughs> um, do you prefer tea or coffee? Oh, I don't drink coffee anymore. I haven't drunk coffee in about eight years. I am solely green tea these days. Green tea? Why is that? Um, do you know what? I found that the, uh, the trash I got from coffee wasn't worth the, um, I think as, uh, as the Americans would say, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. And whereas green tea, um, I quite like, um, which I find it much more, uh, less jittery, I should say. Yeah. How did you find it quite tough to come off, to come off coffee? Was there a period where you just kind of um, had bad headaches and no, you know what? I think the thing with coffee was, like I said, you know, the trash I would get from drinking the coffee was so bad um, that any kind of uplifting energy was absolutely not worth it. So it was really easy for me to stop drinking coffee because it would literally put me to sleep in the afternoons. Um, mm. So, you know, for about uh, literally about 10 years, I haven't had a single cup of coffee. Wow. Um, when do you go to bed? Oh, um, good question it depends where i am if i'm in the uk i go to bed generally later than i would if i'm in the us um all of that is time zone focused you know if i'm here in the us um obviously you know we're speaking now at 5 p.m uk 9 a.m um la so um i'm generally up much much earlier in the us because i'm managing teams uh in many different time zones so um you know i'm up at you know well i'd say 6, 7 a.m. in the US, which means I go to bed 9, 10 p.m. In the UK, I can be kind of burning that midnight oil a little bit later, so kind of 1 or 2 a.m., depending on you know what we've got going on. Yeah, okay. Um, what is your favorite possession? Oh, um, favorite possession? Do you know what? I'll go with something new. Um, a very good friend of mine gave me a um, guitar the other week for my birthday, which has been signed by all of the Rolling Stones. And I thought that was a really wonderful gift. Um, so yeah. let's go with that. Um, yeah. That's very cool. And uh, yeah, I'm pleased we've done the interview now after you got that, because that is, <laughs> we've asked that question a few times and people really struggle. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's actually a really excellent one and an obvious choice. Mm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not massive on the uh, material things. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad as well. Uh, a question we've never asked before. Um, what's your least favorite possession? My least favorite possession? What do I hate the most? Mm. Um, yeah. Good question. I mean, do you know ridiculous what? Ridiculous it, it's, 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 it's an interesting question. What do I hate the most? I'll tell yeah. you what I hate the most, and not because I use it. I, I dislike the most the coffee machine that I have here in Los Angeles. And I'll tell you why, it's because my um, my other half, um, she absolutely hates it, which then means I get the knock on effect of that. So um, let's go with the coffee machine that no one can use. Brilliant. Awesome. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, Anthony, um, I think that's everything we wanted to ask. Um, so, yeah, thank, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time. That was uh, really interesting. Um, Thanks so great, much, Great guys. to learn more about the, the company and to understand how, how NAPS fits into it. Thanks, Dan. Are you all right? Yeah, yeah. You, are you doing okay? Yeah, good. good. I did actually. I came up with a few questions as we were going along, but you were just get you were gunning in each time. So and actually, yeah, I don't know what came over me. Yeah, you were just <laughs> like a dog after a bane. And actually, I mean, I don't think um, I really had anything that you hadn't covered. Like every time I thought of something, you got in there and asked it. Oh, that's so. exactly what I want to hear. No, I just, um, I was looking at you and I thought you looked, I know you mentioned you had an extremely busy work day today. That's and I was looking at you and I thought you looked a little bit stressed. And and not only that, um, you you don't sound too good without headphones on, a bit squeaky. So I really did. Uh, it. It's not too bad. Not too yeah, bad. thanks for um, doing that because I don't want the listeners to think I've got a squeaky voice. So <laughs> thanks for yeah. having my back on that one. It's very perceptive of you and very thoughtful. Yeah, and well done for asking the least favourite possession question. I yeah, didn't I, was, you, I didn't think you'd do it, but actually it was a pretty good answer. Yeah, I thought about asking the most favourite one and kind of getting back on track. Nice there. in there. Yeah, you clearly thought ahead on that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he actually thought it was a good question, so... Great. Here with that.